Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week, we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first, and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Many times, we talk about technology and how the intersection of technology in between digital as well as hospitality can help business owners, restaurant owners, influencers, and people advance their lives and become better digital storytellers. Uh, This week's guest, we have a repeat guest, Josh Kopel of the Full Comp Podcast, powered by Yelp, as well as Roger Avats from InHouseDelivery.com. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Can I just start by saying, for the listeners, they probably think that you do and redo that intro multiple times. I want to let everybody know that he nailed it first try. First try, (laughs) no stuttering, no stammering. He didn't misstep his words. That was beautiful, man. That was super inspiring. Well, thank you. I, as a fellow podcaster, you know, but uh, also Stover, Stover, my producer, will also tell you the, the more times, more takes that I do, the worse it gets. So we just go with my my bumbles and my blunders, which thankfully the audience, um, they, they're they very forgiving, which we're, we're grateful for. But this is a unique episode because we've never um, kind of co-hosted an episode, but that's essentially what's going to happen. So Josh, please explain to our guests um, what's going on in this episode. So it's super exciting. I've partnered with Roger on a brand new technology that he's created that I think is going to resonate with the industry at large. Um, I'm not someone that'll 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 peddle a solution uh, just to make a quick buck. I think that there are foundational issues within this industry that, that directly related to me losing my restaurant and so many other people losing theirs. Um, and, and the one that, that comes to mind and has stayed at the forefront of my mind is delivery, the struggles with it and the fact that third-party delivery didn't make sense financially when it constantly instituted 10% of sales. And now that it's 90% of sales, it's just become glaringly obvious that it's not just bad for restaurants, it's bad for drivers, it's bad for customers that are paying a premium, and the third-party delivery platforms don't make any money either. So like there, there had to be a solution out there. I searched high and low, and that's what brought me to Roger, who uh, is a technological genius and has created like the the infrastructural solution that third-party delivery masquerades as. Because third-party delivery says, oh, we'll help you with delivery, but that's not what they are. What they are is a marketplace that charges you a premium for access to your own customers. And, And I just, I don't know how many marketplaces we need to be a part of, Sean. I'm trying to be a part of every marketplace possible. So you need to convince me and the listeners that that's the wrong strategy, which is why I'm excited for this podcast. Roger, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Give us your your origin story. You you bet. You bet. I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a software guy. Uh, and uh, I, I started out my career in the U.S. Navy, and they're the ones who paid uh, for my college degree in computer science. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, and uh, I served as an officer on a warship um, uh, for five years, uh, including a tour in the, the first Gulf War uh, with uh, uh, combat time uh, and uh, in some uh, pretty uh, uh, intense experience that uh, gave me the tools that I needed to go and uh, think I can conquer anything, which is uh, um uh, what I uh, went ahead and uh, attempted to do, and I was uh, lucky enough to be successful, uh, and that was to create a software that could uh, schedule employees, uh, hourly workers. And the concept was, wasn't to shave off the time that it took to create the employee schedule, but rather to get, uh, create a good schedule that actually met customer demand. And it has two components. One was uh, predictive technology that can predict the future of customer demand by the hour, uh, and then uh, schedule the hourly workers to uh, meet that customer demand, uh, You know, leading to a balanced solution where employees weren't getting stressed out uh, because you had enough, uh, uh, and not too many, because they don't want the tips to get uh, diluted if uh, there's too many. At the same time, the businesses uh, aren't paying too much money, and customers are happy. And uh, most importantly, customers were happy because uh, they were getting customer service, which was consistently uh, 
uh, good. Um, I did this, uh, uh, this is my fourth company. I've created uh, a few iterations of this product, uh, given the tools and uh, uh, what were available at the time. Uh, and last uh, company, again, I did the same thing. Uh, but I did it with uh, tools that could let me uh, do the scheduling for the likes of Disney. 70,000 people in Orlando, 40,000 in Anaheim, uh, 14,000 in Hong Kong. Uh, also big banks, uh, Olympic Games, believe it or not, because they all have uh, this problem of making sure they have their flexible workers uh, uh, scheduled when the customers were there. Uh, and in doing that, Sean, uh, what I discovered is that the predictive technology, when it went to work and it really did its magic, uh, <clears throat> all these businesses uh, became aware of need of what I would call peak time employees, meaning for peak hours of their business, they needed hourly workers just for a short duration of time, say three hours, but maybe two or three times a week. And, uh, and uh, it, it was a little bit of a challenge to find workers to do that. But the bigger challenge was nobody would stay uh, because nobody wants to just work two days a week, three hours uh, or something uh, like that. And so we did this, looked at the software and we made the software so that it could share employees uh, across departments and locations uh, and cross-trained uh, people. So people at Disney, for example, the guy running the room service train in the morning was then helping you with the bags in the afternoon uh, because in the afternoon was the peak was uh, for the check-in checkouts. And then in the morning, everybody's in a rush to get to the park. So they want to go to room service. Uh, rather than go down and eat breakfast. Uh, and uh, and then when I was doing this, I kept in mind that in, there will come a time where I can build this technology. Remember, this technology that I had that I sold to these big companies, the price tag started at $100,000. Uh, but I knew there That's would it. come a day. <laughs> but, you know, it justified it. Disney, when they put it in the one you, hotel. You, you, you wait. So you're telling me you were going after you're going after Disney and you decided, now nah, I'm going to go after the independent restaurant owner. There's way more well, money over there. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, at that time, it, it just wasn't suitable, right? Because... But, sure. but the savings were there. And I'll give you a couple, a couple of numbers. Uh, Disney put in one hotel in NI. One hotel saved $1.6 million the first year. Uh, Wells Fargo, when they first rolled it out, they rolled it out to 626 branches. Uh, they saved $20 million the first year. So the savings were there. So I know the price tag sounds like a lot, but you'd be surprised what the savings are uh, in just getting this uh, little uh, you know scheduling thing right. And, uh, but I knew uh, that this was something that uh, uh, smaller companies that employ uh, hourly workers would also want. Why? Because uh, we're living in an instant gratification economy. Customers want what they want when they want it. And they're going to support businesses that can give them that. And businesses, in order to do that, they're going to really want workers when they need them. And they only want to pay for them when they need them, right? But the same problem comes back. It's like if they don't give those workers enough work, they're not likely to stay long term. However, if we can make it easy for them to not just work across one business, but multiple businesses easily, then everybody gets what they want. The business owners get what they want and, uh, and, the, and, and, the, and the employees and yeah, the workers get what they want. And the customers are happy because they're getting what they want. So that's really the background of this. And, uh, and we had uh, this happening here in San Diego where 40 uh, restaurants were sharing employees uh, to prove this model out uh, and the pandemic hit. Uh, and that uh, led me into pivoting into uh, offering uh, this in-house delivery solution. So wait, 40 restaurants were sharing employees. How do you get over the legal challenges with that? Well, uh, it, it's really a platform that it lets uh, employees manage their schedules across multiple employers. So think about it. You know, a lot of people in hospitality don't just work one job. They work sure. a couple of jobs or maybe more. And we just made that process easier. Uh, so from a uh, uh, relationship standpoint, employees were you know, employee, employees were employers had their own unique connection, but the platform just helped manage availability uh, across yeah, easily on one app. 
So they would have to figure out their own paperwork within each restaurant that they chose. Yes, for. that's right. That's right. So it's not a staffing agency model. It's uh, and that's what made it uh, super easy and affordable. And this is what we brought to in-house delivery because when I looked at the marketplace, uh, we we saw you know restaurants really suffering. A lot of them going out of business. Uh, and I and I looked and said, hey, some restaurants are actually doing well. And on the other extreme, some people are just going out of business and some people are in between. And I'm studying and I looked and I said, well, people that have outdoor dining, uh, that's a survival tool. People that have drive through, uh, that is actually doing really well. Uh, and, uh, and, and then the other two alternatives were uh, pickup uh, and uh, few people doing self-delivery. And I basically said, anybody that's doing pickup orders, their menu and their food and their packaging is already there. If they if we can make it easy for them to do self-delivery with a piece of technology, uh, because remember, customers reward convenience without that doesn't cost them money. So if you can give your customers that convenience of being able to get food delivered at a cl- click of a few buttons, that is a big deal. So we said, you know what, let's help these restaurants because most restaurants don't know how uh, or had never had a need to go and do self-delivery. And we said, let's let's give them this piece of technology that lets them do in-house delivery. And it's powered by the back end uh, of that sharing component, right? Um, uh, Of people being able to work across multiple businesses. And and the reason is, is that none of these restaurants want drivers all the time, but they do want drivers when they need them and they want to pay for them when they need them. And our technology can support that. And why that's important, Sean, is that if you have drivers when you need them, the delivery fees and the service fees offset the the, uh, the cost of the driver. And, and w- without you gouging your customer as a restaurant owner, right? And at the same time, you get to keep all the check because we're a software company. We give, we give you, the, we, we're just charging you for the software. We're not a marketplace. And, you know, as Josh will tell you, our uh, goal is to educate the, the hospitality, the restaurant industry that look, work on, being on all the marketplaces so your brand is exposed, bringing you new customers. But when they come to you as a customer, that really what you need to do is then educate your customer that you can serve them better and you can serve them well with just as easily uh, as if they were using the third party uh, delivery app uh, while you keeping all the money uh, and you keeping all the customer data and you're keeping control of what happens if there's any something goes wrong. So how, how do you get paid? We uh, charge uh, for the software and our cost is uh, um, uh, anywhere from $1 or $2 per delivery based on whether you need us to help you provide independent contractors uh, that are drivers. Dirt cheap. And what is the delivery radius? Up to the restaurant. We have restaurants literally uh, that said, wow, you know, we were limited by third party up to five miles, but we have got customers that, you know, are 10 miles away or 12 miles away. Look, it's up to you. And we now have restaurants that use our product and they actually set, you know, which is fair, set a delivery radius. Look, if it's five miles, we're going to charge you $5. If it's seven and a half miles, we'll charge you $7.50. If it's 10 miles away, we'll charge you $10 delivery fee. And and it's up to the customers because uh, our restaurants to decide, you know, where their customers are and make sure that they're able to service them. Interesting. It's pretty cool. So let's, let's use a real life example. I know this guy that owns a barbecue joint. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of him. I know yes, a couple, I know. actually know a lot of barbecue restaurant owners. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my, my thought process is this. You look at pizza, you look at barbecue. These are things that people shop around for. But then, like, once you find your barbecue spot, you're not experimenting with barbecue anymore. Like, that is that is your go-to joint that you're going to order from once a week, once every two weeks. That's just people, people find a restaurant they like and they stick with it, whether we're talking burgers or barbecue or pizza or whatever, fried chicken. And so once you, once you, you like, have fried, that, do you like fried chicken? You, you got know excited. I do. You got excited about that. <laughs> you know, I, do. I love fried chicken. Popeyes just came out with uh chocolate filled beignets. I can't wait to try them. We should do a whole episode on that too. 
Um, but it, it's with, with, the struggle has always been the same, which is once you own that customer, why are you paying a premium rate for access to that customer? You've already earned that business. Yeah. And so, you know, to get back into the whole marketplace conversation, if you want to be on every platform, sure. If you want to pay a premium to get that new customer, sure, you should. Like that is, that's the nature of the business. But sure. like, why wouldn't you throw a sticker on, on top of that pizza box that says, listen, thanks for your business. You can order directly through our website and you'll get it cheaper and faster next time. And what we've seen is customers do that because they do want it cheaper and they do want it faster. And you, you know, looking at your cloud kitchen model as an example, the guy that's picking up food from your place is picking up food from 10 other places. Yeah. So there's no way to control how quickly that food is going to get to them. And when you look at issues like issues with orders, the public platform for reviews, chargebacks, it's nightmarish. And you, you're not in control of any facet of that process. Whereas with the platform Rogers created, you do get feedback privately from the customer based off the, the overall experience. The, then you're able to use to either remedy the situation or you know what you're doing is working and you can continue on. Also, rather than having a thousand random drivers showing up to pick up food, you're scheduling these people out. So, they become, so? how are you scheduling them out? It, that's that's the beauty of the software. So they, there are two elements to, to the in-house delivery platform. The first is driver scheduling, and the second is delivery management. So let's say you choose to go the independent contractor right, route, and we're supplying you with independent contractors. Who, who, You'll who's, choose. Who is the actual? Is that a, an employee of in-house delivery? Yeah. That, that's a that's a contractor of in-house delivery. Those are people on our insurance that are part of our contractor team. Got it. So you choose to go with them. We're charging you two dollars a delivery, which includes, uh, you know, the the licensing of the software as well as the insurance for that independent contractor. Um, you're scheduling those guys out. So you'll try a bunch of different ones from our pool. But once you find the guys you like, you guys will mutually agree and, and you're just scheduling them through the platform and they're readily available to you. So they become an extension of your team. People are ordering through a, I, I believe you're familiar with the toast POS platform. <laughs> We're big fans <laughs> of toast. I know you are. And they have an online ordering doesn't love toast. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we, we integrate seamlessly with their platform. So, you know, an online delivery comes in, uh, it's then processed by the in-house delivery software. The route itself is optimized for the driver. You've already got a driver allocated to it. It does all of this through. It's like AI stuff that I would explain to you, but I would do it poorly and get a nosebleed. No, I want um, you to explain it. I like that. There's no, no way, bro. Roger can walk you through all of that shit. I just, I just know that it works. And so um, it then deploys, it, it, you know, the customer themselves, they're able to track it through their cell phone without downloading an additional app. They're able to leave a What are they getting? Are they getting text message notifications, email notifications, both? Uh, but, but both, uh, but text, text message is more convenient because uh, uh, so, so as soon as they click on that link, they uh, can track the driver, they get a real-time ETA, uh, they're able to contact the driver. Uh, this is from a customer standpoint. On the driver standpoint, uh, when they're dispatched, they know the address uh, where they have to go and an optimized route to get to it. And if they're taking three deliveries on that one uh, trip, they know which one they, need sh they should go to first. They're able to contact the driver as well if they need. Um, and the restaurant uh, owner or manager can obviously track the driver, uh, ensure that the food was delivered at the right place at the right time with the proof of delivery, uh, as well as uh, be able to get feedback that's private uh, on the quality of the delivery service uh, so that if they need to change anything, uh, they can do that. It's not in a public forum. Nobody else knows. You can take corrective action and there's accountability, right? Uh, so, you know, the two things that, you know, when we went about doing this is that 
Uh, one was people were complaining about food getting cold, they're late, so it was cold. And the other one was literally food items were missing uh, and there was no accountability on uh, who to hold responsible. Uh, but in this case, we believe that, again, as Josh mentioned, when you build out your team, whether it's your own in-house team uh, or uh, uh, people that you augment that in-house team with our independent contractors, it's a it's a known relationship. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and there's accountability. If something goes wrong, you can fix it. How many and that driver's repping your brand. You know what I mean? Like that is your driver for that hour, two hour, three hour, four hour window that they're scheduled. So it's like end to end control over the transaction. Uh, how many restaurants do you have on the on the platform? We, we've got a little bit shy of 50 uh, locations uh, on the platform, but on the social scheduling side, without opening up the sharing between empl- uh, different employers, we've got uh, a, f- a couple of thousand. A couple of thousand of drivers? Uh, no, uh, restaurants. Oh, restaurants. Businesses, businesses, that's right. And how many how many drivers do you have? The drivers, uh, that's a very interesting question. So what when we launched this, uh, Anybody that was willing to use their own employees or actually had their own drivers, easy. Uh, uh, We can get it implemented and going. But what we found, Sean, is that most people had no clue around the driver's side. And that was like a stumbling block for them. So we said, okay, well, why don't we help uh, 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 these restaurants uh, get the driver's side? They don't want them as employees. They want them as contractors. Uh, And uh, so it took us a little bit of effort, but we found a partner insurance company that can help us give the insurance on a per delivery rate. And that's why we're able to do that uh, now. And that's why the rate, instead of being $1, if you're using your own team, it becomes $2 uh, per trip because it offers that uh, person that equivalent independent contract, the equivalent of workers' compensation insurance while they're making delivery, something goofy happens. And out of the 50 restaurants that you have, how many of them are doing their own delivery versus using your services? Um, off the 50, um, right now, all of them are using their own uh, delivery. We are just now launching the driver sharing because the driver sharing is gotta be more localized. So we've got literally businesses uh, around the US that say, hey, if you, as soon as you give us drivers, we're on board because we don't wanna mess with that. Uh, and because we're based in San Diego, we said, why don't we start here? Uh, yeah. And uh, literally we just, uh, what about, uh, uh, populating the drug, you know, we had to make sure the technology and the billing and all of that, the insurance and all of that stuff was right. And we triggered the, uh, uh, the, the reach out to start bringing drivers on the platform. And we're doing that as we speak. And we've got about eight restaurants in San Diego and we've got maybe about 20 or so drivers. Uh, and now we're, we're just for each of the drivers also, as part of the insurance, we've got to do a background check and we've got to do a clean driving thing. So they're in the process of getting all of that vetted. And uh, then only those people that pass that screening will be introduced to the restaurants based on their availability of the driver and the needs of the restaurants when they need to do these deliveries. And then if, if it's a match, then uh, they stay connected and they go, as uh, Josh said, you know, they'll put out these shifts and they say, Hey, we invite you to come and, uh, because remember, they're independent contractors. They can't be told what to do, right? Uh, it's It's got both parties have to agree. So um, if you've got availability uh, and you want to be, uh, you want to pick up this shift where I need uh, a, a delivery driver to help me make deliveries, uh, please, uh, please apply. And the software facilitate that so that from a uh, legal standpoint, uh, the restaurant is uh, is protected and uh, the independent contractor is protected and us as a software matchmaker, we're, we're protected. Well, in the beginning, you told me that you have predict- predictive technology. You basically told me you have the alchemy 
to what every owner in business needs, which is predicting sales for staffing, literally opening up a restaurant and figuring out how busy am I going to be on Monday? How busy am I going to be on Tuesday? It's 4th of July. Are we open? Are we not open? How much is the sales going to be? And you're also telling me that this predictive technology is now magically looking into the pandemic and also telling me, well, this is a pandemic Mother's Day. And I know that's different than a normal Mother's Day. And this is what you should staff for. So are you telling me you have, you have those solutions? Yeah. Well, you know, I wish it was that easy, Sean. Um, so do uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. So, so, so the reality, unfortunately, isn't as good as you, as we all hope, but it's, it's better, as I mentioned, than not having anything. And so I'll tell you just the basics of forecasting. It relies on data. It relies on good data. It relies on stable data. And unfortunately, in this pandemic, you know, when different things are happening, whether it's government mandated closures or uh, a new surge of uh, infections, it's not stable data for us to be able to use or do anything with today. But otherwise, if it's stable data, if we have three months worth of data, we can start making very good estimates on what your business will be like. And then as soon as we have 14 months worth of data, then we've got the seasonality and those special days that you talked about, the 4th of July. And it could be even before the 4th, the day before the 4th of July, but the day after. And literally we can even do what ifs like, hey, you know, like for Disney in Orlando, hey, if it's inclement weather, meaning it's gonna rain, what does my forecast look like? Versus if it's normal weather, what is gonna look like? And you can plan for both scenarios. So the forecasting stuff is real, but it's not magical. It uses, you know, data and you gotta have good data. And right now, the data we have, I wouldn't recommend using that because as soon as we're out of this, we're not gonna see this again for another hundred years, hopefully. 100 years. I hope I don't see that. <laughs> right. I would also I would also like to bring up because I think it's incredibly, incredibly important. And I like to pat myself on the back. I created the concept for this software three years ago and did nothing with it because I don't know anything about technology. But in my mind, I had it all worked out. <laughs> and just did so how, did you, with it. how did you find Roger? I, I actually found Roger. So I'm in a professional organization called the Entrepreneurs Organization. And one of the things that they, they do is they align. And we've talked about this before, how important I think it is to learn from people outside of our industry and then yes. adopt those things in our industry. And one of the things that, that the organization does is it aligns you with mentors. And uh, Roger and I were, were put together as a mentor mentee. He's had numerous successful businesses, numerous successful exits. Um, and, and he just gets people, people management. He was making the pivot into hospitality. Um, and so we were, we were linked up through that professional organization. Um, I, you, you've heard me talk about flow numerous times before, and, and I think it is a fabulous solution outside of the pandemic. Um, but what I was looking for, for myself, for my life and for our industry are solutions that are of the moment. You know, and this is really one of those. And it's sometimes you hear about solutions, whether it's online ordering or like what Crystal Mobiani is doing with Bento Box. And it just makes sense to you, right? You're like, oh, that's a huge hole that needed to be filled. And it just totally makes sense that somebody way smarter than me created that solution. And when Roger started telling me about in-house delivery, I got excited because that's that's the solution that everyone thought they were getting when they signed up for Grubhub. But sure. it's not, you know. And so I got super excited and I wanted to help push the message out. You know, I, I partnered in the project and, and I believe that it would be a tragedy for us as an industry to end up right back where we started when this thing is all over and to not have learned any lessons or shored up our businesses in the way that we need to. The question you bring up on the show a lot and that we have talked privately a lot about is, you know, what do you delegate and what do you bring in house? How, how can we most effectively run our businesses? And, and what we've seen through the pandemic is not to pat you on the back, bro, but, <laughs> you know, the people that have really thrived during the pandemic are the people that own their customers. Yeah. The people that 
they had a pathway either through social media or through email addresses and newsletters. They had the way, a way to reach their people and communicate with them directly so that your customers could tell you what they needed and you could tell your customers what you needed. And the, these pseudo strategic partnerships are what enable concepts like Cali Barbecue to thrive. And most people don't have that. Their customers aren't their customers. They're Uber's customers or Grubhub's customers or Open Table's customers. And, and the fact that Roger gives you access to your data and you'll know who's ordering, when they're ordering, what they're ordering, what frequency they're ordering with. It, it just It's a huge strategic advantage because you can go back to someone that's ordered barbecue every week for a month and be like, yo, man, you missed two weeks. Did you get COVID? Are you cheating on me? What's going on? Here? You know, right. And another thing that I'll bring up that really pissed me off. I feel like I'm on a soapbox now, but I'll tell you the truth. When I owned that fried chicken joint, I would always look at these. I did. Everyone knows I love fried chicken. Super passionate about it. Open all right. But when I owned that fried chicken joint, I would get all of these chargebacks from Uber Eats and Grubhub and this and that. They'd be like, oh man, the food was cold. And it's like, well, shit. I mean, I didn't deliver it. And when it left here, it was hot. And if I had my way as an operator, the way I would have remedied that situation would not be to give them all of the food for free. It would have been to give them an online gift card. That way I can get their business back and I can potentially do a better job next time. But all of the third-party platforms were just ripping that money away from me on top of, you know, the, the static fees and the commissions and the this and the that. And it's just so nice to have a platform now where you have the ability to remedy things in a way that brings in more business as opposed to like obliterating the profitability that, that you didn't have to begin with. I'll stop. I'm going to step off the box. No, I like, I like it when Josh gets on the box because as a, <laughs> as a, as an owner and an operator, you know, from being in the battlefields of the things that we deal with and you know, it's, it's easy for me as a host of a digital hospitality podcast, as a barbecue media company to talk to our listeners that are restaurant owners or want to be in the restaurant or business owners and say, Hey, you need to not only be on social, but you also need to start, you know, talking to people like Roger to find out what's the latest, greatest technology that you can implement so that you become an e-commerce company, or you start doing local delivery, or you start doing all these things. You're like, well, shit, I just need to keep the fucking doors open. Like, right. I, I don't even know if I can keep any of my employees. You know, I talked to a, a restaurant, a restaurant tour out of out of Brooklyn this morning and he said you know part of what he's been doing personally to be healthy is he's scheduling himself to literally do bicycle deliveries the owner the chef is delivering bicycle orders during the pandemic but it's also oh given God. him a touch point where he can go to the guest drop it off maintain social distancing and say hi i'm like well that that's pretty special i mean it's not scalable <laughs> not scalable but it, it's it's definitely very memorable Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, through this, it's very important that <clears throat> businesses stay connected with their employees, that they've spent a lot of time and money hiring and training and their loyal customers. That's how they're going to get through this. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, my, my hope was with in-house delivery that we can actually help these uh, owners use their own team to do the delivery instead of serving people in the dining room, which they can't anymore, or outdoor dining, which they can't anymore, uh, get them equipped so they can go do the delivery to their customer. Uh, and, and then don't lose the customer to Uber Eats because guess what? Next time, another barbecue place that's now paid an ad is showing above and it's saying, ah, oh, you know, $5 discount if you order from it. You could lose your customer to somebody else. Uh, and and that's not gonna be sustainable. Well, I, I definitely like the idea of taking care of our customer on a more hospitable basis, but I've never been worried that we're gonna lose a customer, whether we're on Uber Eats platform or DoorDash. I mean, that that's, we've never been in the transaction business. We wouldn't be open since 2008 in the recession if we were in a, in a business where we're trying to make the most money possible off the guest that comes in. I mean, literally we're building a generational brand where people care enough to tell their kids, their grandkids, and invite their 
parents and their grandparents to you know, enjoy our barbecue. And that's going to be the same when we open up a ghost kitchen location, it's going to be a friendly ghost and we're going to let people know, but it's, <laughs> it's literally, but it's, it's building that brand. So yes, yes, yeah. yes, we will lose the customer that's willing to save $5 to get, you know, a shittier rack of ribs, but we know that the experience that we're going to provide, whether that's digital, whether that's through delivery, whether that's through pickup, whether that's through in-house, it's going to be bar none an experience that, is going to ultimately keep that customer for life. You know, my business mentor, David Meltzer, he talks about his mentor, Erwin Jacobs, founder of Qualcomm, talking about, you know, he was touring the facility and Erwin Jacobs asked him, what business am I in, David? And he said, you're in the chip business, you know, the computer processing business. He goes, no, I own the customer. Whatever I want to sell the customer, if I want to sell them insurance, I'll sell them insurance. If I want to sell them something else, they trust me to build them something that solves their solution. And he said something that he's always remembered. So it's when you build a community and that's Josh is shaking his head because he knows all the successful restaurant owners he knows. They're people that they fly your flag for you. They're your super fans. They're the ones that, I mean, I'm a tailgater. I've been in the Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association for the San Diego Chargers all the craziest fans in the NFL, their fans, literally me, my blood type, we go to the game four hours before the game, <laughs> four hours before the game. I mean, I had to take my wife to be my girlfriend at the time and said, you know, if you're going to come into my life, you need to know this is who I am. And she's like, why are we there four hours before the game? We're there because we're super fans, but having a super fan of your business, of your in-house delivery or a full comp podcast, those are the people that are going to fly your flag. Those are the people that we need, the people that listen to this podcast, that share this digital hospitality podcast. It's not a concept that we own. We don't own it. We're just having a conversation about technology. We're having a conversation about offline businesses prioritizing coming online because so many of them aren't addressing the elephant in the room. They want everything to go back to normal. And we all, I mean, there is no normal, like digital you have to have a digital solution and that digital solution. It's not about robots and automation. It's about hospitality. Right. It's how do you personalize that experience that makes you unique so that the next time a customer's on DoorDash or Uber Eats, they're going to go, I don't care. Like I'm going to their website. I'm going to their that's website. That's my whole bag. Dude, that's my whole bag. How do you leverage hospitality or how do you leverage technology to create a more hospitable situation? How do you how do you leverage technology to bring more humanity to the experience, not less? Because I don't believe we live in a world, especially post-COVID, where people are cool with talking to robots. No. You know? No, I, I think the, 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 what they miss about restaurants is the experience. And, and we as restaurateurs have been forced to get innovative in supplying new and different experiences in light of a friggin' global pandemic. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's important that you touch on that. And I think that's something that as an entire industry, what the what the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry, we have such a gift that we can offer tech companies, digital companies to teach them. We know how to treat people in person. Now we need to do that online and we need to teach other businesses how to do that online because it's complete. It's not customer service. Like it's not customer service is bullshit. Like treating a human as a human is a higher standard of than customer service. It's the phone rings. I say, hello. No, you've got to understand the thought process behind it. You have to understand the senses behind it. And if we do that as an industry and we teach it, we do it for ourselves first because we have to be online and be digital. But if we do that and we create all these different unique touch points, because in a restaurant, you can go into any restaurant that's successful. They care about everything. Literally, how many things do you have to care about in a restaurant? You have to care about your parking lot. You have to care about your food. You've got to care about your, oh, your yeah. inventory. You've got to care about the ambiance. I mean, the amount of senses that go through a restaurateur's checklist to make sure that they give the most memorable experience. But now we have to do that online. We have to do that on all these different third-party deliveries. We have to do that if we do in-house delivery, we have to care about that. If we do in-house catering, we have to care about that. Like there's so many different ways, but if we do it, and we teach those principles of why we do it, how we do it, why it's important, then you have that customer for life. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that you can extrapolate out to every other industry. When, when you look at 
how the hospitality industry was ripped apart in March and how it has worked aggressively to sew itself back together. And, and, and you don't see it happening in major corporations. You see it happening on the level of the independent restaurateur. That's where the real innovation is happening. That, that, that's where the real grassroots hospitality community service is coming from. And they, what I have consistently asked myself since closing the restaurant in March is, how can I be of service? And it, it's enabled me to flourish in the last eight months. And, and the other restaurateurs that have done the same thing have had a very similar experience. This isn't about fixing a broken system. It's about reimagining the way we do business in a way that actually works for us and benefits our customers. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You, you know, my soapbox, it's the soapbox. It's the thesis that we, we stand on for digital hospitality. It's something that we care deeply about that we, you know, podcast every week, multiple times a week that we're doing YouTube shows. We're producing blogs, we're producing content, however we can help because it's not about us. It's about the story and it's about the innovation. And back to what you said, it's easy as an re- independent restaurant owner, because I don't have to ask for permission. I don't need to ask anybody. Can I be a barbecue media company? I say, fucking we're we're a barbecue media company. We're producing content. We're doing the things that we want to do. And we're giving back to the industry because we don't have all the answers, but Hey, we just implemented toast and look at what we've been able to do with toast. It solved this problem, this problem. These were the objections that my general manager have. And we're transparent as hell about it. And guess what? It resonates because it's truth. When right. you talk about truth, it's going to resonate. It's going to share. Well, and you can unpack that, man, because we, we, we are in an industry that is inundated with solutions to problems we don't have. I'm not, <laughs> I, really? And, and yeah. I'm not going to call out any one person or any one business, but we all get these emails and it, you know, everybody's like, oh, we've created a solution for this thing. And I'm like, well, that's not really a problem, man. Like, I'm just struggling to survive. Yeah. I was struggling to survive before the pandemic. So, you know, it, it's everybody is out there trying to get their hands into our pockets because they know that we all need more money. They all know that the margins are low. We're all desperate for new business. And the questions we we ask ourselves every day are, you know, how can I make more money? How can I save more money? Yes. And and it's such a rarity that you find a solution like in-house delivery that does both, that that actually provides you with a solution to a problem that you have. Um, And that's, you know, that's why I'm on the soapbox, man. That's why I'm so inspired. Because I I would love to take it in-house. I would love to own that customer. I'd love to be able to market to that individual and leverage technology to control the overall experience for the customer. I think one of the important things you talked about and we talk about frequently on the show is just the profitability of using once you implement technology and once you focus on digital hospitality, it's not about eliminating jobs. I mean, like I said, on March 17th, we laid off 29 employees that are family. I mean, it was the hardest day in operating this restaurant of me and my wife and my general manager going through what are we going to do? How are we going to stay open? How are we going to pivot? You know, and and making that call and calling each one of them and letting them know that we love them, we care about them. Unfortunately, we have to do what we can do to keep the doors open. But when you start looking at technology solutions like in-house delivery, just by having this conversation, it addresses the cross-utilization of current staff. And I think that's a bigger industry conversation that needs to happen is that before it was, I'm a host, I'm a server, I'm a bartender, I'm a prep cook, I'm a line cook, I'm the pit master. That's not my job. And I don't need Josh just shaking his head because every restaurant owner, every manager, they all have somebody that goes, this is my job code. This is what I get paid to do. That's not my job. Our job as leaders is to teach everybody that our job is to take care of the guest. It doesn't matter if I'm the owner, I'm going to go pick up the trash in the parking lot the same way Ray Kroc would do when he was walking through his McDonald's franchise. Our job is that no matter what, we're going to give a memorable experience. But back to the technology part, it's understanding and using technology to leverage well 
there's peak business times and we're cross training people. So now we don't have a dishwasher, but now we're asking our line cook and our prep cook, Hey, are you willing to wash dishes? If it means that you can have a job because our current business model, we don't have anybody in the restaurant. Guess what? Nobody's in the restaurant. We're using all to go boxes, very minimal dishes. Are there dishes? Yeah, there's still dishes, but you need to step up and do them. So it's a, it's, identifying what those jobs are, but also understanding that there's a digital component. I mean, even now I have my front of the house manager, Ian, who's been producing content by coming up with new cocktails, cocktails for delivery. But now I'm asking him to use his iPhone, which we pay for, to take photos, to create content so that we can share it on social. But this is outside of the job code that when I said, hey, you're going to be a front of the house manager, you're going to take care of servers and bartenders and guests and this. Now he has a digital job code. And that digital job code might include, hey, you're going to have to help schedule Stephen, our catering manager for in-house delivery. And the people that are still not working, maybe during these peak business times, we can put them on to help us with Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve. That's exciting. It is because, you know, we've got to we've got to transition from like running these restaurants off gut feelings and become (laughs) really because it's true. Who would do that, Josh? Come on. No no restaurant (laughs) operates on gut feelings. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of big companies were doing it. That's well, you know, it's yeah. You know, I opened what I wanted to open, where I wanted to open, and it's not like any of those things were data-driven decisions. Yeah. But, you know, you're able to leverage technology to do amazing things. Roger told me a story when we first got together um, of how, you know, he was able to, to feed the information from this large hotel group into the uh, into his system, and it showed all of these inefficiencies in their in their right and in, in their the way that they're scheduling and all of the money that they're losing. And Roger brings it in there and goes, you know, this is how powerful the technology is. And the dude's response was to call all of his managers into the room and rip ass, asking them why they didn't schedule the way that the artificial intelligence is scheduling. Come on. <laughs> I believe right? it. I totally, I totally believe it. And it's a great story because it, it illustrates who we are as humans. I mean, it's just, you know, we can't get out of our own way. I mean, the, the QWERTY keyboard is the perfect example of, you know, us not getting out of our own way. The fact that the, the keyboard is actually designed for inefficiency and yet we haven't changed it. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like that. But this is our moment, right? Like this is this beautiful convergence of restaurateurs are actually looking for technological solutions to foundational problems paired with our customers are more pliable than they have ever been yeah. in the history of humanity. They're yeah. willing to do anything to ensure that their favorite barbecue joint stays in business. Yeah. And if that means ordering through their website, which by the way, and I mean, you know this because you use Toast, is that seamless an experience is going through any one of the, the third-party delivery platforms. You know, leveraging Roger's software enables you to give them all of the tracking tools that they need, communication tools to talk to their driver or the restaurant. It's like, why, why wouldn't you take this gigantic leap forward, especially when it costs you two bucks per delivery? And what's the onboarding? How, like, what does it cost? Yeah, what does it cost? Nothing. 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 Look at that. And Roger, how quickly would you say you can onboard a restaurant? Uh, well, it, 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 it pretty quick. You'd be surprised. It'd be in like an hour. We can get them going. An hour. That's pretty pretty impressive. So, yeah. is there anything? I mean, it's any- a, like you know, it depends. You know, if they have online ordering, like Toast has that, right? So we can bring in the information right away from their online ordering. We we already are used to that. But if they don't have an online ordering thing, then we've got to get them set up with one. And we work with a variety of them. Uh, and obviously, a lot of cloud-based POS actually have that, and they can turn it on for the customer. Uh, but other than that, from our side, it's pretty straightforward. Because remember, we're just looking at the driver's side uh, of the equation. And then now, if the people want to use the scheduler to schedule everybody in the restaurant, they're welcome to do that as well. Oh yeah. So tell before, before we wrap up, give, give me a, let me, let me know about the scheduler and why we currently use hot schedules, but why, why, why should we consider using um, your, your scheduling software? Well, uh, for two reasons, first of all, 
you get it for the dollar delivery. <laughs> That's number one. Uh, uh, number two is, is that it has the, the, the dispatch piece for supporting in-house delivery, which is uh, critical. Uh, and you, you can cross-utilize your team. As you mentioned, uh, you know, line cook can become dishwasher, but at the same time, look, uh, uh, you know, so a server can be a driver if you wanted to cross-utilize. And then the other piece is that it also makes it easy for your workers, if they're working at another place, to manage their schedules on one app. So that, does it, have, it, does it have integrations with things like Slack? Uh, it doesn't need integration with Slack. We have our own chat in the product itself uh, uh, that stays in the in the product. And again, it's private and it's controlled by the business. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So, so let's say let's say a, a restaurant owner sold on in-house delivery or on scheduling. Where do they go? Who do they contact? Uh, yeah, go to inhousedelivery.com. Uh, there's there's a there's a sign up. And any parting words, Roger, for uh, for anybody listening to digital hospitality? Yeah. Well, you know, I've just, I've talked to lots of restaurants and I've talked to lots of people now who want to drive and they both are so grateful for an opportunity uh, like this because the drivers, they love the predictable schedule, predictive, uh, predictable earning capacity in the coming week, uh, as well as the restaurants are grateful because they literally can't breathe. Right. Talk about a pain point. It's not they can't breathe and offering them a solution like this and showing them how easy it is to do that. We've got customers now that had two locations. They thought they were going out of business. Now the lady wants to add three more locations uh, and looking at franchising. I mean, and literally putting a billboard above one of the restaurants saying how they do in-house delivery. Right. So that to me is 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 very fulfilling. Thank you, Josh. Seeing is believing. I, I mean, it's as easy as third-party delivery for the restaurants that are on the platform. It's been up to 50% cheaper. Like it works in like in a, in a world that we live in where like most shit doesn't and everybody's trying to solve problems that we don't have. This really solves a problem that works. And I, I know I seem salesy, but it's because I, I believe in it and, and I, I'm evangelizing it because I, I think that part of the way we're going to get through this and thrive on the other end is by taking control of our own businesses and owning our own customers and whatever steps we can make towards that are good steps for us as restaurateurs and us as an industry. Mic drop. Mic drop. No, no, no contracts. No, and you're paying per delivery. I mean, you know, we believe in what we've got. We believe that, you know, we continue to, we want to earn your business every day. And Josh will cook free fried chicken for anyone that signs up. I don't cook shit, but I will eat free <laughs> fried chicken wherever it is being supplied. You get, you get free fried chicken for every new in-house delivery sign up. So Deliver, delivered by Josh. Absolutely. No matter, where you are, no matter where you are on the globe, India, Norway, Bulgaria, Josh will bring you fried chicken with a smile. That's a guarantee. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for coming on the show. We appreciate you listening. Please uh, reach out to Josh. Check out Full Comp Podcast if you're not subscribed. Yelp for Restaurants is doing some very exciting things. Um, can you give a little teaser, Josh? Absolutely. I'm working with this guy named Sean Walshaf on a new, oh. I am on a new publication called Restaurant Influencers, The Playbook, which is going to release next month. It is a it, it is an inside look at the the best restaurateurs in the country, what they've done that is that was working, that is working, um, all of their innovations, their tips, their tricks, their resources, uh, supplied for free on daily release, seven days a week, starting in the month of January. That's an ambitious project. I would never take it on myself. Thank you, Sean, for taking it on for me. <laughs> so that's uh, that's Josh Copel, Full Comp Podcast. Um, like I said, we'll have more details on what's happening with uh, restaurant influencers and all the resources that we're going to be building at restaurants. Roger, um, I can't wait to meet you in someday. Uh, Josh speaks very highly of you, and now I can see why. Uh, the Just the stories you told on this podcast, it, it – 
it reemphasizes why I love doing what I do. And that's, you know, the blending of barbecue and media and digital hospitality allows us to have conversations like this, which are powerful. Um, you know, you can make a huge impact on this industry and you already are. So thank you for doing what you're doing. No, you're, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely.